When our best fur friends leave our world, many of us are left wanting one last scritch, one last hug, one last walk together. One Last Network is a space for pet guardians to honor their pets in their senior years and to cope with the days leading up to and after their passing. Here's your host, Angela Schneider, founder of One Last Network and Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington. Welcome to One Last Network and the art of location, location, location. While much of our content on this podcast caters to senior pet care and the grief we endure in the days leading up to and after our last farewells, I love to bring you information about end-of-life pet photography sessions with professional photographers. One Last Network has a small but growing directory where you can find professional photographers in your area to assist you in creating the kind of memories I believe will help to comfort you in your grief and lead you toward a path of healing. We gather together every couple of months to discuss a subject pertinent to our work so that you can prepare for your upcoming session and feel comfortable with your photographer. One of the key elements in being a photographer is the ability to translate any location, any moment into beautiful memories. The right location can elevate our photos and create a memorable experience. And as professional photographers, it is our responsibility to know where the great locations are for your end of life pet photography session and how to work with a less than ideal location. For this episode, I am joined by Sharon Canovis of Canovis Photography in Hamilton, Ontario, Kylie Doyle of Kylie Doyle Photography in Sacramento, California, Jen Wilson of Jen Wilson Pet Portraiture in Kitchener, Ontario, Darlene Woodward of Panthetown Photography in Georgetown, Massachusetts, Lynn Sainert of Lance and Lily Photography in Ashburn, Virginia, Lisa Peterson of Posh Photography in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Nicole Rustic of Portraits by Nicole in Las Vegas, Nevada. Together, we have a great discussion about making sure you have the best location possible for your session. Have a listen. Good morning, everyone. We are going to get started by going very quickly around the room and introducing ourselves with a brief statement on what inspired us to specialize in end-of-life pet photography. Uh, some of us don't necessarily specialize in it. Uh, I'll get the room started. I am Angela Schneider, the founder of One Last Network and Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington. And end of life pet photography started to matter to me when, uh, um, well, basically Shep is my inspiration. Um, after being together for 10 years and having a camera in my hand for most of those 10 years, I realized after he died that I didn't have any special photos of the two of us together. And so part of my mission in Big White dog photography is to ensure that people have photos of their connection with their dogs. Um, who wants to go next? I'm Darlene Woodward, owner of Panther Town Photography. I'm located just north of Boston and um, photograph dogs in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. And I, one of my very first sessions was an end-of-life photo session that really touched me in so many ways. 
And that was seven years ago. And so my path and journey with end of life continued since then as my own dog aged, got older, I realized the longer we have dogs, we develop that bond and connection and it's so much more important that time together to get those photos of that connection. So as my dog Coda got older, those photos were even more important. And when she passed away last year, it was extremely important. I'm Kylie of Kylie Doyle Photography in Northern California. I photograph pets and their people from Sacramento to Tahoe. My end of life pet photography journey really started as I developed my pet photography business. I started having more and more clients tell me that they wished they had realized that this was a thing, that they could have photographs done with their pets and that they had pets who had previously passed, that they wished they had these memories and these photographs done with. So I realized how important it was for us to start educating people that pet photography is a service that's out there and it's important you know, for them to get these photographs done and capture these memories while their pets you know, hopefully are still young and active active, um, but even, you know, as their pets get older, just making sure that they capture those memories. Hi, my name is Sharon of, uh, from Canovas uh, Photography, and I started photographing pets during the pandemic. That's when I opened up my business. Uh, end of life pet photography service became very important to me once I started to see more and more gray of Cisco. And I think it's extremely important to have those memories of your dog because they're just not a dog, they're family members. And um, as Kylie said, I've had quite a few people come up to me that said, I wish I had that done for my dog that had passed away. So I do think it's extremely important to get those memories done while they're still here, healthy and young. I'm Lynn Sainert with Lance and Lily Pet Photography in Ashburn, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C. And I um, I am one of the few that probably specialize in senior and end-of-life pet photography. Um, I just, a couple of years ago, I just fell in love with just senior dogs and um and with with senior dogs and even not so senior dogs, you have, you know, families wanting those special memories with their pets and it's just and, and the more I do it and especially since I had the recent loss of Lance it's become even more important to me to be able to provide those photos and those final memories to families. Morning I'm Lisa with Posh Photography. I serve pets and their people in Minneapolis and western Wisconsin um, and I got started because I volunteered for a rescue organization in their hospice program and went around and photographed end of life sessions as part of that um, and really got an education very quickly <laughs> about um, what I did not know <laughs> um, and also how important it was and how meaningful it was for the people taking care of those um, end of life type um, foster situations. Um, so that's really what inspires me as I move forward to make sure that we're capturing 
as many memories as we can for as many people as we can. I'm Nicole from Las Vegas, Nevada, Patrick by Nicole. And um, I started with end of life sessions sort of organically. I guess I had friends who were um, losing their pets and I would all, always offer to go over there. And often the pets would pass before we could get the session done. And then um, I guess that that just prompted me to the urgency of it. And then um, I started getting contacted for end of life sessions. And so um, now, you know, now I understand the importance of prioritizing them and getting them done ASAP and um, and accommodating their special needs. Uh, I'm Jen Wilson. I'm uh, serve Kitchener, Ontario area, just outside Toronto. And end of life photography sort of evolved naturally for me. I've been in business for 15 years and many pets that came to me early on in my career came back a number of years later as their pets aged or had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And then I lost my best boy and decided to work through my grief. I needed to take some training and it's helped me deal with my own grief. And I'm hoping it helps my clients deal with their grief, both before and after the passing of their pets. And pho photos are just sort of a part of that. Is anyone particularly inspired by the locations in which they live i am so my passion before i became a pet photographer and a people photographer was landscape um and so that's what led me into like oh i need scale so i need to put a person in the photograph with the landscape and then that led me into like oh wow i actually connect with these people even though i'm an introvert right so how can i photograph them and the landscape and then it kind of took off from there um but i always go back to like okay where's the light what's the location how can i integrate all of that together and i think especially with like dogs finding their natural habitat and their outside creatures right so making that connection between where they are and what their environment is like and what their personality is like. If you can create all that in some special sauce, that's the magic of it for me. Being in New England, and I absolutely love living here and the four seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall. I look to find things in each season that are just important to that season and beautiful about that season. And also I'm 20 minutes from the coast. So 20 minutes from the beaches, we have the mountains, lakes, hiking trails, there's so much to offer here. Uh, properties are decent size. So even in people's backyards, we can get pr pretty great pictures too, but it's just a beautiful part of the country here. Yeah, same. Um, the diversity of the Inland Northwest is uh, amazing to me. Um, I have outcrops of basalt rock the Palouse and semi-arid desert in eastern Washington and lush forest and glacier lakes in North Idaho. So I have everything I could possibly want except for a beach. 
but I go to the beach once a year. So at least once a year. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in Northern California. So I always joke that I pretty much can drive two hours in any direction and get any type of landscape that I want. You know, I can go out to the coast. I can go up to the mountains. We've got lots of lakes and rivers. So there's definitely a huge diversity. Unlike Darlene, we don't really get the four seasons. We get like a week of fall and it's very pretty. And if you go out to the Eastern Sierras, it's incredible, but you have to time it perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So how does that all lend to selecting the right location for a client, particularly at an end of life session? Well, I think I'm particularly lucky in having that diversity because it gives me more options for places that I can suggest to my clients. Um, But there's definitely a lot more that goes into it for me than just saying, hey, let's go to this gorgeous location that I found. Especially with an end-of-life client, the dogs might not have as much mobility. You may be dealing with other issues like blindness, deafness, you know, things that can affect how the dog can get around and how they will interact with you during the session. So I always, as part of my consultation prior, we talk about those kinds of things and we talk about what types of locations the dog's going to be most comfortable in. And sometimes that just ends up being the client's home because they can't get around, they can't see going somewhere that maybe they don't know is going to be uncomfortable and stressful for them. Um, Same as what Kylie said. Uh, On my consultation, I do ask um, the mobility of um, their pet. And it has brought to uh, my attention um, a Mo. She didn't want to do in her backyard. She wanted to do at a park. Um, She wanted water and a background. And it had to be uh, flat because Mo, uh, he can't walk up or he can't really walk down. And he's about 80 pounds, so she can't really carry him. So I found um, a small park and we shot over there. And the parking spot was actually very near um, where the scenery was. So that was very important to her. And... I do think it's extremely important to um, find out locations that accommodate their pets' needs. Yeah, I I do. uh, Sorry, I tend to do the same um, because I have had pets who have been so so close to their time of. They've been very sick, and so we do our consultation. We'll talk, and we'll go maybe to like a favorite location somewhere where the pet is going to be comfortable. I've done a couple in backyards where we've had to be very creative, um, but you know that that's part of the challenge of being a photographer is finding the beauty in every location you're at. And if I've have a client who's like, "Oh, I want to do it around the house," I'll get there early if I can, and kind of scope things out so I can find those spots before I meet with the client. Um, Yeah. So it's because, you know, a lot of them have mobility issues, blindness, you know, things like that have been said. You, you, 
you want the pet to be comfortable. And while, you know, gorgeous locations are fantastic, um, one of the things with Washington, Washington DC areas, you have so many great monuments you can shoot at, but because we're often on a time crunch, we can't get the permits we need to shoot in those locations. So I try to find locations close to their homes or where, um, you know, they're, they're most comfortable, you know, parks and places they like to go to. What are the challenges around working in a client's backyard? Uh, here, where I live in Vegas, most backyards have, the newer houses have five feet between the house and the wall mm -hmm. um, on each side of the house. And then maybe they'll have a 15 foot backyard surrounded by block wall and desert landscaping. Um, so it is tough. Um, it's kind of balancing the expectations and of the client and wanting to provide the most gorgeous memories possible while balancing the dog's mobility. Um, usually I will, um, go to a, a local park where we can park our cars just a few feet away from the grass and um, work with that. Um, I have done small dogs inside a house before and in a yard because it's a lot easier to manage a tiny space with a small dog and not just be getting a block wall background. Um, but yeah, that that's the challenge here. <laughs> it's not so pretty. <laughs> You, you brought up an interesting point, though. Um, I don't get very many clients who ask for indoor sessions. Uh, what are the benefits and or challenges of working with clients who want indoor sessions? I recently did one indoors, and I, I was a little concerned um, because I'm not, that's not usually how I shoot. Um, but I lucked out because her house um, was open, very open, all lots and lots of windows, super colorful. Um, she had a really pretty home and nice lighting and it was small dogs. So it was doable. Um, with a larger dog, I feel like it's so much tougher because um, maybe that's because my I'm a fan of the 70 to 200 <laughs> and that's not ideal in a living room. <laughs> um, but I guess it just depends a little bit on the house. If it's a lot of windows, that does help a lot. And if it's a big open floor plan, definitely helps. Um, and um, the reason why I did this one session in the person's house is because her husband had also or her husband had passed away and um and it was an end of life session and so it was just more meaningful meaningful for her to be in inside her home um and also i don't think that she had two dogs one was an end of life um session that it was around and we did some photos of the other dog as well but i don't think either of them 
were would have been able to go out and function at a park um so it was it was definitely a unique experience i think for me because that's not what i normally do but it it worked well for this situation so uh, i'm sure everyone else is like me we have a list of places that we recommend to our clients who need end of life services what are some of the features you look for in a location to keep on your list of places to recommend? Um, I generally look for something with parking close by, a nice flat surface that isn't surrounded by large rocks that the dog would have to navigate. Um, it would be nice if there's some color at the park as well. Um, and if possible, a park that has some meaning to them where they've walked before. I also look for parking that's nearby. So the dog doesn't have much walking to do. Um, I would love to have like pretty nice lighting and, you know, colorful as well. Um, but flat so the dog doesn't have you know to go up and down and much work for the dog and i would also say somewhere quiet that's not very busy um so that you know you have your quiet time with the dog and they're not so stressed out as a professional photographer as in on location photographer it's so important for me to be an expert on locations and to know where there is ease of access, where there is good light, where there is a big open field, where I can use my off-camera flash, um, where I can get a variety of different poses from the dog, the dog and the human, etc. So um, yeah, my list is is probably about 10 or 12 places long. What do you do when a client comes to you and says this particular location is meaningful, but you've never been there? I just had that and I asked them to go there. It was close to their house. I asked them to FaceTime me so I could see what it looked like at about the time that I thought we would do the session so I could ascertain is it going to work or not. Mm -hmm. And I just go for it. I go all in and we're either starting a half an hour after sunrise because I'm a light person or we're starting two hours before sunset. I get there a few minutes early and I go for it. Look at the area, see what it kind of looks like. And if I have any concerns, I may, depending on how far it is, I'll take a drive and look around or I'll just go for it. I mean, I've shot in really some not, good places so I can make it work if I need to. Yeah, like Jen, I start with Google Maps usually just to kind of get an overview, you know, make sure, okay, is there parking, you know, where's going to be the best place to kind of start? And then I will always go out there first just to check it out. I'm certainly never going to tell a client if this is a really special spot for them, 
I'm never going to tell them, no, we can't do it here. I'm going to figure out how to make it work. You know, as Angela said, I'm the expert here and I'm going to figure out where we're going to get the best light, where's going to be the best spot in this location to photograph the dog at. But I definitely want to go out there first so that I can get my eyes on the location and find those spots. Same. I have to go scout first if at all possible. It just for my mental health. <laughs> See it in advance. I, yeah, I also there's certainly uh there's certainly um a uh need for preparation and and knowing where we're going. And certainly I will throw Bella into the car and go somewhere if it's new to me so I can scout it out and find the uh, perfect places to get a good session done. But what if time doesn't allow? You know, that that is where Google Maps has to come in and and doing a little more research and looking at the at at the photos that are um, on Google Maps and whatnot so that you can see at least virtually what you're working with. If I don't have time to uh, scout the location, which I prefer to go uh, to scout first, um, besides Google Maps, I also look at Instagram. Oh, I'll, yep. I'll mention the um, the word, the, the name of the park or, you know, and I'll start looking at photos and Instagram. And that has helped me quite a bit. If you belong to any kind of local network or have friends who are photographers like my friend Sharon who told me of a really great place in her town um, because I had a client out there so it's kind of nice when you can network with other photographers who who understand your needs for the session because regular people are like oh it's a pretty park and then you get there and you're like no no it's not so it's really nice when you have other photographers and you can be like look can I shoot there what's the best time what's the parking lot all of that Yeah, I, I've talked about it before, but generally it is locations for the locations I've not been to before. I just show up early and scout around and um, look, okay, this is flat. This is, this is a good spot. Uh, like there's a couple of parks closer into DC that I like to go to just because there's a lot to do in a, in a short amount of time, but um a lot of different scenery but generally it's just it's just scoping beforehand but i will say google maps sometimes fails you i i did that for one session and um what the photos were saying were completely different than the location we sh we i shot at so um fortunately it was another one that i had showed up early so i was able to walk around and scout out where i wanted to do photos Yes, there is a user beware thing involved <laughs> in, in searching on the internet because the results that come back are generated content by the general population. So <laughs> people don't always get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much does the location factor into what you want to achieve with an end of life session? For me, I don't think it necessarily does 
too much i mean you, you obviously you don't want it to like be in a you know rat infested garbage filled alley but um because i am i try to focus more on the connection with the pet and their people um that's more of my focus so sometimes the location isn't as important as capturing those photos of the pets with their people I feel like for me, it depends on the session because in addition to photographing the end of life session, I'm also creating artwork for my clients. And I definitely agree with Lynn. If the focus is more on capturing that connection, we might do more close in tight shots where the background isn't really shown as much in the final portrait. But if the client is really wanting the focus to be on the animal and on the environment, then I definitely need to make sure that the location and the images that I'm capturing are going to lend themselves to that final art and that it's going to fit well into their home. Yeah, I agree with everything both Lynn and Kylie said. I think that if the client says to you, I want to go here because it's meaningful, then you better also produce some images that show that location <laughs> that they're going to remember their pet in because that's what they're telling you. So it's important to them. Um, and I think, you know, it depends. Like I've had some clients say, you know what, I just want cozy home photos. Okay, that's what we'll do. So I think it it does really, it depends on what you're, what they're telling you and what you're picking up on. Um, in addition to all the other photography things that we need to think about. How about silhouettes? Does anybody make sure they get silhouettes done? If the location allows, for sure, yeah. Love a good silhouette. Do you get requests for silhouettes at your end-of-life sessions? like, Or do you just um, make sure that they're there if the location allows? Yeah, if the location allows it. And I love silhouettes sunrise on the beach are my favorite. So if I do have those clients where the beaches are their favorite place, I push for the early morning. <laughs> I push for those four or 5 a.m. wake up calls and no one has ever regretted getting up early for the cotton candy skies. <laughs> I didn't used to do a lot of silhouettes, but I have definitely found, especially with my end of life clients, that the silhouettes are really popular. Let's say you get to a location and it's more challenging than you expected. What do you do? We roll with it. <laughs> I actually specialize in photographing reactive dogs. So I feel like I might be a little bit more equipped than some other people for just kind of rolling with what happens because Sometimes with a reactive dog, we'll get to a location and it'll be busier than we anticipated. There might be a dog off leash. There just might be other factors that we didn't really anticipate. And so sometimes it just means going to a different area if the location is large enough. And it may even just mean discussing our options and going to another location that's nearby. The biggest yeah, challenge same. with that, of course, is 
we don't necessarily get a chance to reshoot in these conditions because a lot of our end of life clients are end of life. And several of my last few clients have been just right there on the edge. So I don't have a choice, but to work with the location that I've gone to in that moment. I also remind my clients, like I set, I sort of set them up for any possible change and say like, look, if we get here and something is not suitable, what is our next step? Where would you rather go? Let's have a place planned. Um, We have kind of an alternate built in. Um, And I do that a lot with regular clients too, because dogs don't always behave like the owner thinks they're going to behave in a certain location. Um, Something that they might not have noticed will completely change their demeanor. So we move. So I, I make sure that the client is aware of what could happen and hopefully doesn't happen, but what could possibly happen and what our next steps will be if that is the case. I feel like setting expectations with clients, if something like that does happen to say, look, I know your, your heart was set on shooting here. We can just know that this, you know, whatever isn't working right now, you know, and we'll work with it as best we can, but kind of setting expectations accordingly so that they can then make an informed decision. You know, do they want to go somewhere else? Do they want to live with what they have, knowing that this is probably the only day we can do it? Yeah, I think the ability to pivot um, quickly is important. I um, These weren't necessarily end of life, but I've had it where with a senior pet showed up somewhere and, you know, um, when they was they were having like a festival going on, oh, this is not going to happen. So the nice thing about where I live is like, we have like parks all over. So we drove, you know, I'm like, sorry about this let's drive two miles and we'll you know go to another location or and i also shoot studio and once in a great while i will get a pet that doesn't like being in the studio so i'm like okay let's pack up we have a park half a mile from here um so it's just being able to go with the flow and and work with what happens one last question and we'll wrap it up what advice can you give to people who need end of life sessions in working with your photographer to select a location? I think people sometimes don't realize their pet's limitations. Um, So I think it's really important that they take a, take a step back and look at where their dog would best be, would be most comfortable, whether that is at their home or whether they can make an outing Um, because we want the photos to not look like their dog is possibly maybe in as much pain as it is or as uncomfortable as it is. So whatever we can do to make it easier on the dog is key. And I I don't always know if people realize what putting their dog through, you know, an extensive walk down the beach or something might be like. So I just always remind them that we don't have to go far. We don't have to do much. Um, I always say that um, we go at your dog's pace. We'll take our time. There's no you know, reason to um, hurry up. And if your dog feels like he needs to lay there for a little while and get some rest, and that's what we're going to do. I tend to push for backyard sessions for the super seniors or the end of life 
this morning having a senior dog that I photographed who was almost 13. We did it in their backyard, but the dog was able to run off leash. You catch the ball, run with the toys, jump around in the leaves. And the dog was so comfortable at home. I can't imagine having gotten those types of images in another location. So it's where a lot of dogs are most comfortable. And especially when you get to that stage or when they're older like that. Anyone else? Well, one thing I always tell my clients, I can only do what your dog allows me to do and what they're able to do. Um, they may see like, you know, all these photos, I want to do this. And it's like, look at, he's not, he's not up for this, you know? And it's, I'm like, I'm, I'm more concerned about your dog than I am you. Um, and if he's not up for it, we're not going to do it. I'm like, we may circle back and just try, you know, and see if he's up for it later, but I don't, I don't, um, I don't try to force dogs to do things, especially these dogs who um, are just like, I really just wanted to be left alone. I'm doing this to make my mom happy, but I really just want to be left alone. So I just, I, yeah, I always tell my clients, your dogs, your dog is my number one priority and their comfort is, is what I'm most important. Yeah. I think that's good advice for um, pet photographers of, all <laughs> groups to work with the dog and understand or the cat the horse and understand what the animal is willing to do because they can't give us informed consent yeah they're trying to please their human and we're just there with this big black clicky box yeah, and I, I think the humans are trying to please us by having this amazing dog that will do whatever they want it to do. And that's not always the case. So we have to be able to say to the client, I know you want this, but let's just take a look at your dog, how he is right now in this moment. And it's clearly not something he wants to do. So we just move on. Like, yeah. yeah, like Lynn said, we can circle back, but let's just move on. And a, and a prime example of this is um, when we had two weeks before we made the decision um, with Lance and we had two weeks together and I'm like one afternoon, I'm like, okay, okay, buddy, let's, let's just, let's love, let's just go to the park and get some photos. And he just wasn't up for it. And I, you know, my tr I tried to feel, and I was just like, you're just not feeling this today. And I'm like, okay, let's go home. And so I think it gave me a different perspective about what we do with our clients and you know we really have to set them up like they may not be up for it and um yeah and and so yeah Lance was just like I don't want to do this today so we we just you know after about probably 20 minutes I'm like let's just go home you're you're not feeling this I think that's the hard part because they have good days and bad days in the end and you don't know when you, you know, when they schedule and maybe the next day, but you don't know if it's going to be the dog's good day or a bad day. And sometimes I think um, the owners don't, maybe are in a little bit of denial. I don't know. I know I am. <laughs> um, so I think it's hard for them to see sometimes. Well, it's hard to see something that close up as well. Like you're, you're just, 
you're not ready for it, but it's also, you know, you see it every day. So it's a little harder to notice. Good job, guys. Thank you so much for coming in today and discussing this important topic. Um, every day with your companion animal is a good day. So go hug your dog or your cat and have a great weekend. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Finding the right locations is a hobby of mine. In my free time, Bella and I tour around Eastern Washington and North Idaho looking for the right spots to create long-lasting, epic memories of you and your dog's adventures. And this work takes me to some seriously amazing spots throughout the Inland Northwest. I often get comments from fellow pet photographers from around the world that they're jealous of my locations. In the world of photography, location is often the unsung hero that can make or break a shot. A professional photographer's ability to choose and use great locations can significantly impact the quality and emotional resonance of her work. This can become even more important when we talk about professional pet photography and especially end-of-life pet sessions. Because great photography is not merely about recording a moment in time. It's about evoking emotions and telling a story. And that's why the most important questions I ask a client before a session are, do you have any locations that are meaningful to you? And where do you like to go to hang out together? If we go to a place that's meaningful to you, the images become that much more profound for you. Photography is a form of visual storytelling and we are focused, pun intended, on telling your story. If a location is a significant part of your story, that is exactly where your session should take place. Most significant, of course, is the love and connection between you and your pet. Bringing it all together is the work of a true professional. Now don't forget to use the code ONELAST on Dr. Julie Busby's Tip to Tail Health Scan to better understand your senior dog's health. The code gets you 15% off until the end of the year. The link is in the show notes, along with links to the website and Instagram accounts of everyone who appeared in this episode. I'm Angela Schneider, owner of Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington, and your host at One Last Network, signing off to go get some Bella Snuggles. Listen to One Last Network on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Don't forget to hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have a friend who might be interested in our content, make sure you share us with them. Thanks for listening.